welcome you, and I want to say thank you for tuning in. And uh, I hope that the next few minutes encourages you a great deal. The title of my message is, Water Still Turns Into Wine. If you go to a restaurant and you ask for water, they will not charge you for that glass of water. It's for free. Water has no value. But if you go to a restaurant and you ask for a glass of wine, now that's a completely different story. They are going to charge you for that glass of wine because wine has value. There are times in our life where we want God to turn water into wine in our own life. To say it plainly, to step into our life and to take situations that seem to be broken and piece them and put them back together again and make them beautiful. In these particular areas that I'm talking about, it would require a miracle for those areas of your life to go from broken to beautiful, to go from a shame to something worth celebrating. It would take a miracle. I mean, God would have to step in and, and do what he promised Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will remove that heart of stone and I will put in a heart of flesh. I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. That is the thing that God can do that no other man can do. And there's times where we need him to step in and turn things around. This is exactly the situation that Mary found herself in in John chapter 2. She was at a wedding. Her son Jesus was there with his 12 disciples. And she came up to him and said, we have a problem. Now, let me just tell you right now. This story that I'm going to share with you, it's in John chapter 2, but it's in the Frankie International Version. Okay? The King James Version doesn't have um, the flowers that I'm going to put in it. Okay? So if you want to read the King James Version, which I highly recommend, when you get home, read it. Or the New Living Translation, which is my personal favorite. But today you're getting the Frankie International Version. Okay? So give me a little poetic liberty. I believe Jesus looked at Mary and said, we have a problem. We have a problem because Jesus has never had a problem that he couldn't solve with a thought. And so Mary looks back at him and says, okay, I have a problem. We have a problem. We're at a wedding and we just ran out of wine. And then she looks at the 12 disciples and says, you, you, you do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. And so Jesus backs up. And this is what I believe he did. I believe he backed up and he said, well, do we have anything at all? And one of the disciples, probably Peter, we don't have anything. I mean, 
if you want to give our guests something to drink, the only thing we can do is go down to a well and fish out some water because that's all we've got. And I believe Jesus said back, all I need is all you've got. See, if you study the Gospels, over and over again, Jesus said, all I need is all you've got. One time he was preaching and there was over 5,000 people that were listening to him preach. And, and one of the disciples came up behind him and said, hey, these people are hungry. They're angry. They're angry. They're angry because they're hungry. Have you ever been there before? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, you've been there. there we've got 5,000 people that are hangry. And Jesus looked back at them and said, how much food do we have? Do we have any food at all? And I believe that they looked at him and said, we do not have enough. The only food we have is what that little boy's got. And we can go over there and take his lunch, but all the, everything he has is two fish and five loaves. And I believe Jesus looked back and said, all I need is all you've got. Uh, one time, a rich young ruler came walking up to Jesus. He had it, it, so much money that if he had my money, he would just give it away. That's how much money he had. But you can have all the money in the world and have a horrible life. Are you with me? Say yes. I don't know what pieces of his heart were missing. I don't know. I don't even know if he knew. But he walked up to Jesus he says, what do I need to do to have everlasting life? He was thinking about the world to come. But it was his present unhappiness that I believe was driving him to go find a man that has no money but has all the answers. And so he went to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do? And Jesus looked at him and said, all I need is all you've got. If, if you study the, the widow, Zarephim, um, there was this moment where she was so poor. She believed that she was going to have one last meal and then she was going to die. Her and her son was going to die. And if you read the story, you'll find out that all God needed was all she had. I remember distinctly um, about a week after uh, my wife and I got married. I was 23, she was 21. And we're in this one bedroom, small little town home. It was so small, you could, and I'm not exaggerating, you could vacuum the entire house without pulling the plug out of the wall. Honestly, you could just go in a circle. Now, granted, in those days, the, the, the extension cord was like 20 feet long. Do you remember that? And you, and you just set it on the vacuum. But we could vacuum the whole house without pulling a plug out. We had no money. Our, our, our dinner was ramen noodles. Um, our dessert was corn chips and bean dip. And if we really wanted to be fancy, we would buy voila pasta. Are you familiar with voila pasta? Are you with me? Say yes. If you've never heard of it, say yes. 
You are missing out. Go to Kroger's or H-E-B. Look for Walla Pasta. It tastes so good. And it's cheap. That's the key. It's cheap. And I remember sitting on the couch looking at our TV that was sitting on a box and thinking to myself, God, how am I going to get from where I am to where I want to be? I don't have any money. I don't know the right people. How am I going to get here to where I want to be? And I distinctly remember going out into my neighborhood at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, freezing cold, snow everywhere. The only thing I could hear because it was so late was the crunch of snow under my boots. And I remember looking up and saying, God, I don't have anything. All I have is a heart for you, and I'm going to worship you for the rest of my life. I'm going to work. Not a day is going to go by without me worshiping you, but that's all I got. And in hindsight, looking back, I believe the Lord was looking at me and said, all I need is all you've got. Let me just tell you this morning, if that's the only message you hear this morning, this is it. All God needs is all you've got. And so uh, the, the next moment, um, Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, okay, I see six water pots right here. And each of these water pots could hold 30 gallons. Now, many of you have been to Israel before, so you know what these water pots look like. They're massive and they're literally chiseled right out of stone. They are so big. They are so heavy you do not move water pots. You bring water to the water pots. You don't bring the water pot to the well. You go with a bucket. You go with a bucket and you go get the water and then you bring it to the water pot. Now, I was doing some napkin math, okay? And I thought, six water pots, 30 gallons each, 12 disciples, each disciple had to march to the well and draw out a bucket of water 15 times. So now get this in your head. 12 guys carrying around water and they have no idea why. No idea why. They don't know the end of the story. The only thing they know is that God is asking them to do something that they were not anticipating and it feels like it has nothing to do with the wine. Have you ever, 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 ever thought to yourself, God, I need your help in this particular area of my life. And then... You begin to feel, maybe in the same moment, an hour later, a day later, you feel this impression to go and forgive somebody or be nice to somebody. You feel this impression, but you don't really want to do it because you're really concerned about this particular area of your life. And so this is more of a distraction. Never underestimate simple acts of obedience. Never underestimate because obedience is powerful. 
Watch this. The disciples walking back and forth, back and forth. Splash, 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 splash. Maybe, maybe one of the disciples said, hey, let's get an assembly line going here. And they're just like, I don't know. I wasn't there. This is what I do know. If you have 12 guys marching around 15 times back and forth, back and forth, somebody is going to notice. Somebody came up to those disciples and said, why are you doing this? And there's only one answer. And you know it. Because Jesus told me to. Do you know that Jesus is still looking for people that will do what he's asking them to do, even if it doesn't make sense? The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 16, that his eyes go back and forth throughout the whole earth looking for people who will be faithful so that he can show his strength in their life. He still looks for people who will be obedient. Now, these disciples, when they were walking back and forth, no doubt they were having a conversation with Jesus. No doubt. Are you sure? Are you sure? Can we just do maybe three water pots? Do we have to do all six? Are you sure? Is this good? Is this? No doubt they were talking to Jesus. So they were talking to Jesus. And they were being obedient. They were talking to Jesus. And they were being obedient. Prayer and obedience is the cadence for miracles. You have to pray and be be obedient. You you can't just back up and say, I'll be obedient, but I'm not going to pray. And you can't say, I'm going to pray and not be obedient. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's the cadence. And so all of a sudden he backs up and begins to realize, okay, all right. I have 12 guys that will do what I ask them to do. You know, there's certain scriptures in the Bible that make us like, all right, if I'm all in, I got to do that too. Like, for example, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. Somebody came up to Jesus and said, of all of the commandments that Moses gave, what's the most important one? And Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, and God is still looking for people that back up and say, I am in. I am in. I am so in. All my heart, all my soul, all my mind, every day. I'm so in. All in. And then he says this. Oh, there's, there's a second one. And you already know that the second one is, 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 okay, take a deep breath. He goes, there's a second one. Love your neighbor like yourself. And the story that he told after telling them the second most important commandment was about a Samaritan. And the moral of the story was, I want you to think of the most detestable person you know. And that is your neighbor. 
the most detestable person you know, I want you to love them like yourself. It's easy to love people who are like you. That's easy. But to love people that are being mean to you, now that's a whole different ball game. These are the moments where God looks at us and said, now you said you were all in. And then we want to back up and go, well, how about I just ignore that person, pretend like they're not alive? Well, that's not what he was talking about. In Luke chapter 6, verse 28, it says this, bless those who curse you. It doesn't mean ignore them. If they curse you, figure out something to do that's a blessing to them. These are the moments. These are the moments where God says, now you said you were all in. You said all my heart, all my soul, all my, you said you were all in. Will you do something you don't want to do? As foolish as it feels, as crazy as it feels, will you do it when you feel that small impression? Smith Wigglesworth said this, the secret to my miracles that God does through me is that the softest prompting of the Holy Spirit, I turn and obey. And so now uh, the, the water pots are full. Everything is done. So now all of a sudden Jesus says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a goblet, get a wine glass, and dip some out. Now, if I were one of the disciples, I would have said, dip some of what out? Dip some of what out? Now, I know there's water in there. I'm the one that put it in there. You know it's water. You're the one that told me to put it in there. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. You want me to dip some of that water out and put it into this glass and bring it to the master of ceremonies. Am I clear? Yep, that's it. All right, just so we're clear. Now, I used to wait tables at a restaurant called Carabas. Anyone ever eaten at Carabas before? They are very particular about training their wait staff, their waiters and waitresses, on how to serve wine. And so everybody had to serve wine the exact same way. You walk up to the table. There's a, a napkin that, that's draping over your forearm. And you walk up to the person who ordered the wine. If the gentleman ordered the wine, you walk up to him. If the lady ordered the wine, you walk up to her. And you show them the wine bottle. So that they are sure that what they ordered is what you brought. And then... You take it off, and you have to be very careful to take the cork off without it going, because it bruises the wine. Whatever. So anyway, I take the cork out, and then this is very, very important. Whoever ordered the wine, you pour just a drop into the glass. Now, if you're pouring the wine, this is very important. 
you don't want it to drip out of the front of the wine bottle because it'll go all the way down the wine bottle and get in your hand and get into there the label of the wine bottle and nobody wants that whatever so you pour it and so this is very important then you got to twist it right at the end so it doesn't drip okay so you pour it just a little bit at the bottom of the glass and then this is what they do They take the cork that you just took out, you set it down, and they grab the cork, and they go. Now, they don't know what they're smelling. They don't know what they're doing. But you have to pretend like they know what they're doing. They have no clue. Somebody told them that they have to smell the cork to make sure that it's not bruised. And so they smell the cork. Right? And then they set it down. That means they approve. And then they take the wine. This is my favorite part. They take the wine, they go. And as the waiter, you got to stand there and play this long game. And in their head, they think they're going to air it out. They're going to oxidize it, all right? They're going to air it out. Little do they know, it takes like 20 minutes for wine to oxidize or whatever, something like that. But they're going to do it. It's ready to go. And then they go like this. And if they're really fancy, they'll put their hand at the bottom of the glass. And you got to stand there like a buffoon and and play along. And, And then they go like this. No talking. And then you go to everyone else first, and then you come back around to the host. And they're the last person that gets some wine. And so here comes the disciple. He's walking over to the master of ceremonies with a goblet full of water. He's walking with the water. He dipped the water out. He put it in the glass, and he's walking with water. He gets over to the master of ceremonies and he's nervous as all get out. All of the disciples are in the corner going, oh Jesus. I mean, oh Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus is standing there like, he's not concerned at all. Can I just say this? Jesus loves you so much. And he's not at all concerned about the problems that you have because he tells waves when to stop rolling and he tells wind when to start and when to stop. He's more concerned about what's happening in you than what's happening to you. He is not worried about it. And then all of a sudden, the master of ceremonies takes the wine glass and drinks it. This is what is amazing to me is you have to ask the question, when did the water turn into wine? Because he said, this is the best wine I've ever had. When did it happen? It happened at the point of release. The minute he let that goblet go, the minute he handed it to him, the minute he let go, that's when the water turned into wine. This is what I want us all to hear. I know we have big concerns. I know we have some serious problems. But the point of release is when we see the miracle. When we back up and say, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know what to do, but what I am going to do is I'm going to give you all I have and I'm going to let go of everything else and I'm going to trust that your rewards are greater than my wishes. Are you with me? Say yes. Give the Lord a round of applause for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is, this is my favorite part of the service. Uh, if it were up to me, I wouldn't even preach. But it's important to preach because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 says that the word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces between the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, convicting the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So that word has to go out. But if it were up to me, we'd just jump straight to testimonies. See, what happens at Celebration, for those of you that are new, Ricky, is we want to see the power of God. We want to see the power of God. Everybody pray for me because I'm a, I feel like I got a sneeze. And in 2020, I can walk around with a gun, but I can't sneeze. <laughs> I can walk around with an M16, but I can't sneeze. All right. I think, uh, okay, I'm not going to sneeze. Here, give me some hand squirt stuff. So if I pray for anybody, they won't be praying with their one eye open. <laughs> I couldn't make these jokes anywhere else, but I can make them at home. We're not recording anymore, are we, Tiago? <laughs> um, but the reason what we do is at this point of the service is we ask the Lord, is there anything you want to do? Is there anything you want to do? And um, thank you so much. For those of you that don't know who this gentleman is, his name is Pastor Dwayne. <laughs> And if he ever leaves our church, it's just lock the doors. Is that you, Steve Austin, my brother? Is your wife here? Yes, she is. Hey, the Austins are here. I told you they would come. All right. Um, what am I talking about? Oh, my favorite part of the service. So get this. Get this. Um, three years ago. I told the Lord, oh, I didn't tell him like this, but I'm going to tell you like this. I don't have a problem with the complex books of the Bible like Revelations. There's lots of things in it I don't understand, but I don't have a problem with it. I just don't understand. If there's angels that have six wings, then fine, there's six wings. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It, I don't have a problem with the big complex books. I have no problem just backing away saying, I don't understand and leave it at that. What I do have a problem with are the short verses in the Bible that say things like this, John 14, 12, for example. Anyone who believes shall do the works that I have done. Now, it's those verses that I have a problem with. Anyone who believes shall do the works that Jesus has done. Now, that's when I go, excuse me, I got a question. Or here's another one. Mark 9, 23. 
It says this, Tiago, last service I said Luke 9, 23, and I messed it up. I was just telling him last week that I won't mess up, and I did. I just realized it. So it's Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to those who believe. Now that I got a problem with. Are you with me? Because I want to back up and say, God, you're the one who said this. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. I didn't read it. You said it. And three years ago, I went on this campaign with God. I am going to pray every day and drive you absolutely crazy until you explain this to me. And I don't even need it to make sense. I just need to see the promise happen. And I would say, God, I would, these were my exact words. Let me be an example That somebody that did not experience your power started experiencing your power. Let me be an example. The example, he he followed through. And now people get healed at Celebration Church all the time. And what's most exciting for me is more than half of the miracles, half of the healing, I don't have anything to do with them. The prayer partners are the ones that God uses. I want to share a couple of testimonies. Uh, Jason, come on up here and and share uh, how the Lord touched you. Um, He told me this over the phone, and I said, shut your mouth. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Um, Go ahead. Share what the Lord uh, did for you. Hello, everybody. I'm Jason. Um, 17 months ago, I, I was having seizures. I was having them about 10 to 15 times a day. And they were getting pretty rough. It was getting so rough, it was interfering with my work. And it's pretty dangerous driving down the road with them. Um, well, my business partner and my wife were very worried about it. And one day they just finally, I mean, it was really bad. I was dropping tools out of my hands and going into them. They're unexpected. You don't know when you're going to have them. So David and my wife made me go see a doctor that day and we get there and they did an MRI x-rays and they came out and said well you have scar tissue on your brain Um, so this is what's causing your seizures you do have them and we're going to put you on seizure medicine and I told them oh no thank you I'm not going to take seizure medicine I got Jesus Christ and we left that day and we prayed and A couple weeks later, I used to go to New Covenant Church, and Pastor Frank sent me from there to here. Uh, The Lord uprooted me and put me here, and I didn't know that this was a healing church at all. And the first week we were here, uh, or the second week we were here, it was like right after Easter Sunday, the Pastor Frank, Frankie, did a little different in the service that time. Instead of coming up to the front for healing, he, he, he had us all bow our heads, pray, and, and thank, start thanking the Lord. Well, then he started talking about, if you have this issue, raise your right hand, be obedient, raise your hand to this. And he named out a few of them, but he finally called out seizures. And I raised my hand, and at that moment, when I raised my hand and I'm thanking the Lord and thanking the Lord, I get this tingling sensation that started from the front of my forehead and it went all the way to the back of my head and at that moment I heard a whisper of the Lord say you are healed my child you are healed my child 
And <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. And we left. When we left that service, we get down almost to I-45. By this time, I know that you know, I'm already going to have one or two seizures by now. Well, they started come on. You can feel them coming. But this time when it came on, it was, it, it was like it was taken away. It did not happen. And I could just hear the Lord continuously say, you are healed. You are healed. And I haven't had a seizure in 17 months. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Brian, come on up here. I told you guys are getting a two for one. Usually we just have one. But uh, let me say this. Um, many, th there's prayer partners in this room that um, have been through our training and uh, we've lived life together. And I just want to say that um, if I've heard you give a word of knowledge before, only if I've heard you give a word of knowledge before, after this testimony, I'm going to ask if there's any prayer partners that have a word of knowledge. Last Sunday during the third service, um, I did this same exact thing. And one prayer partner had a word of knowledge. And I think seven or eight people got healed of a um, the, um, sh uh, rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. And it was pretty powerful. Let me say this. If you are one of those prayer partners and you like to talk, don't come up here and waste people's time because you want to talk. If you really believe that you have a word of knowledge, then I want you to come up here. And if you miss, it's okay. I miss all the time. All the time. Um, go ahead, Brian. Good afternoon. About 30 years ago, I had a compression fracture in my upper back when I was in the military. And I learned to experience chronic pain. And I just dealt with it. I, whenever it happened, I just pursued through it and, and learned it didn't bother me. Or should I say, it bothered me, but I didn't let it that it interfered with my life. About a year ago, I got a new sharp pain in the back, my lower back, that just brought me to my knees. It was so painful. I'd never had that before, and I literally had to lie on the floor. My wife was concerned. She'd never seen me in such pain that I had to lie on the floor just to get some relief. And that happened for a couple of days, and I, it would get a little bit better with rest, but if I did any movement, bending forward or twisting, it would come right back and almost bring me to my knees. And I came to worship night, Wednesday night, and started uh, with the praise and worship. And after about 20 minutes, my back was just killing me and I couldn't, couldn't focus on the service anymore and quite frankly, just wanted to leave. And Pastor Frankie made an altar call and he was starting to bring people up and then he changed his mind, had everybody sit back down and he started talking about sometimes people got healed without even being prayed for. So I just gently started to twist my back and the pain went away instantly and has never come back. It's so good. Let me explain what a word of knowledge is for everyone. Um, and if you are a prayer partner, um, you will regret it all week long if you don't come up here 
because you're afraid that you're going to miss it. We're all afraid we're going to miss it. Get used to it. Step out. Take a risk. Let me explain what a word of knowledge is. The Bible says that the Lord's voice is like many waters. So think about all the water in the whole world right now that's moving. Waterfalls, lakes, oceans. Somebody's brushing their teeth right now. Water. Think about all. As often as all the water is running is how often he's speaking. He can be speaking to half of the room right now. And so a word of knowledge is when somebody has an impression or a feeling. And if that person is right, if they're right, that person's going to get healed. I'll give you an example. Um, in, this, in the second service, awesome things happened in the first service too, but in this uh, second, no, first service, I said, I feel like someone has scoliosis of the spine. So they raise their hand. And if nobody raises their hand, then I have to look at the whole church and go, hey, I'm sorry. I thought that was God, but it wasn't. I'm sorry. And that happens a lot. But if someone raises their hand, they're about to get healed. So this lady comes down, and I had another word of knowledge for the right knee. So someone else came down for that. I have my hand on her back, and I start feeling her spine move. And it's such an amazing moment that I wanted to share it. So I said, hey, this guy right here, he's, he's down to get prayer for his knee. I said, put your fingers where mine are. He puts his fingers where mine are. It was Todd Stevens. He goes, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, because he could feel it. Well, now his faith is so high, he can run through a brick wall, right? And, and so in a moment, I laid my hand on his knee, and it started getting warm and hot. And he was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. It, so if I ever say, does somebody have this particular pain? And they don't. That is what it is. And I've kind of kept rough math in my head about how accurate I am. And it feels like I'm about 60%. 60% of the time, I, I, it was the Lord. And about 40% of the time, I got to look at everybody and go, sorry. So prayer partners, if you miss, it's okay. It's okay. I miss all the time. And I'll take the first risk. Um, I was on the front row. And I felt this pain right here in my back. And I thought, Lord, is that, I don't ever have that pain in my body, ever. Ever, 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 ever. Is there anyone here that says, that pain, I, I have it, either right now, or it comes from time to time. Is it you? Okay, I'm going to pray for you in a minute. And you? Okay, you? All right. Excellent. All right. Everyone stand to your feet. And prayer partners, I want you, I saw like six hands raised. I want to pray for all six of you. Why don't you come down here? And if you're a prayer partner, I want you to come up on the stage and I want you to share it real quick. Um, I need a microphone. Last Sunday, only a prayer partner uh, gave a word of knowledge and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Here, um, come stand. There we go. Stand right here. 
Um, no, I'm sorry. Stand right here. Go ahead and share. Go ahead and share. I have a, um, if you have a, almost like it's a numbness in your hand, and it comes from the elbow to your hand, but it's a pain, but it's almost like ice pouring through your elbow all the way to your hand, and your hand is extremely numb. Is that anyone? You feel it? It's right here? Come on down here. Come down here. Yeah, come down here. It's incredibly risky, but if it's if it's you, you might as well just start celebrating right now. You're going to get healed. All right? All right, don't pray for her yet, Serena. Doctor. Okay, I have uh, two. Um, the first one uh, came to me as reduced hearing, not, as, not, not deafness, but significant reduction in hearing. The other one was specific pain down the left side. This is just what I got, left side of the neck and top part of the shoulder. All right. Let's just find out. Is that, they describe anybody? Zach? All right, come here. Which one was it? Both of them. Today's your day. For those of you that are skeptical, that doesn't mean you're a sinner. It means you're skeptical. This is what I'd encourage you to do. Come back next Sunday. See if any of these testimonies happened. What you'll find if you keep coming to church here is that we have so many testimonies that if it's not true, you have to tell yourself, that's a lot of liars. Are you with me? So don't feel bad if you're skeptical. If you're skeptical, you're probably a cleric or uh, you're clerical or administrative. You're an engineer. Um, It's normal. It is normal. It's completely normal. God made you that way. So don't feel bad about it. But continue to give him an opportunity to show you that he still does miracles. I'm taking more time in this service than probably the first two services put together. Is that all right? Is that okay? All right. All of you guys come stand right here. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would. All the prayer partners come down. You know, people can get healed in their physical body all the time. But if your heart is not right with God, if you're not ready to see him, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, that's the most important thing that we could ever talk about. So if your heart is not right with him, I want you to come down here and take the hand of a prayer partner and let them pray with you. And um, I want to make sure I get a hug before you guys leave. The people that I'm going to pray for, come on over here. Yeah, the people I'm going to pray for, come on over here. There you go, shoulder to shoulder. Remember, if anyone gets healed at Celebration Church, it's your responsibility to tell us about it. You have to give him glory, and I have to stay away from the glory. That way, nobody's touching his glory. Are you with me? Say yes. Let's worship him together. At least one or two songs before anyone leaves.